All right, now that you're standing, John chapter 20, John chapter 20. Typically, we preach this, this message the week after Easter. I waited too. Shame, pastor. Here we go. Verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, this is the evening that Jesus resurrected. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear. Someone say for fear. Fear of the Jewish leaders. Here they are. The disciples were together. They're behind locked doors. They're afraid. And Jesus appears and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And the, disciple, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, now I am sending you. And with that, he breathed, breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. The same thing that God did to Adam. Breathe the breath of life. And he became a living being. Is what Jesus did to his disciples. Breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now this next verse is debatable and I'm not going to debate it today. I will talk with you more about this after this service. But this is profound what Jesus says next. He says this, he says, if you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. What the heck does that mean, pastor? Ask me after church. That's not my subject for today. But Miss Vidi, I was having a good time studying what Jesus actually meant about wait, do I have the authority to, to, to forgive sin or withhold sin? Or when he said receive the Holy Spirit, was he speaking to the Holy Spirit inside of them now? I, I don't know. We'll talk about that after service. Either way, all I know is this. Now that I have the Holy Spirit, I now have the authority to do what Jesus did. Now, Thomas, also known as Didymus, what a cool name, Didymus, please don't name your child that, was one of the 12. Didymus actually means probably twin. It's more than likely Thomas was a twin. He was not with the disciples. So, so he wasn't there. Someone say he wasn't there. He was not with the disciples when Jesus first appeared. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand in his side, I will not believe. Okay, next verse. Okay, fine. Got you. Cool. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and this time, Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Be careful what you ask for. Go ahead, boy. Put your finger here. See my hands? Reach out and put your hand, right? Put it in the hole in my side. Go ahead. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus said to him, because you have seen me, you have believed. I love this. Blessed are those who, blessed are those, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Throw up your hands real quick and say, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I haven't seen it, but I believe it. Uh, I'm, I'm praying for it. I'm holding to it. I'm trusting. I believe. Amen. Before, just before you're seated, just before you're seated, I believe he's a wonder-working God. Tiana, can we give him that video real quick? I, I want y'all to, uh, uh, this video blessed me, and I hope oh it blesses God, you. I don't know what you're doing this season, but I know my blessings on the way. I can just smell it. I just feel it. Just that fast, God. You Stop playing with me. You playing. You for real. 
Oh Lord, so this dog was praying. See, so many people doubt you, but I can't live without you. This dog was praying. You know what else? I'm gonna give you some praise. Cause I never seen the righteous forsaken nor seen begging for bread. I'm afraid and give you some glory, friends, and give you some praise. Who would serve a God like this with a dip that pedaway? Give a dog a bone. Hallelujah. Have you ever been there? I prayed and God came through. I trusted and God showed his power. I held on to hope and faith and God said, I'm more than faithful to keep my promise to you. Would you do me a favor? Help me preach my sermon. Shake somebody near you right now and tell them, remove your doubts because you're about to reclaim your destiny. You're about to reclaim your destiny. You're about to reclaim it. Come on, put your hands together. Say amen. You can be seated. You can be seated. Amen. All right. Y'all are awesome. Thank you, worship team. Don't get me all riled up. I got to preach. All right, here we go. Tiana, let's give him verse 19 again. Let's give him verse 19 again. I want to just extrapolate some things from this text today that I, I pray will help you remove your doubts so you can reclaim your destiny. <clears throat> and forgive my voice. I've been, uh, I've been doing pretty well all week. Uh, Pastor Olga and and Ella and, and, and Zion were, were fighting through different things. And I was doing good until, uh, you know, the other day, like yesterday. And then, uh, <laughs> you know, <clears throat> and the devil thought he was going to keep me in bed. He don't know me. Come on. Hello. I want to do what I'm called to do. I remove my doubts and I reclaim my destiny. I know who I am as a son of God. I'm here to preach the truth. So verse 19, look at verse 19 with me again. Okay. What we see here in verse 19, and you don't have to flip to it, Tiana, but in verse 19 and in verse 26, what we see is this. We, we read that the disciples were in the same house on two different occasions, behind the same locked doors on two different occasions, and scared. Behind, you don't hide behind locked doors if, if, if you ain't worried about anything. These guys were scared. They were living in fear of the Jewish leaders. So here they are, same house, same locked doors, same scared feeling. And what does Jesus show up? Jesus shows up like a G, y'all. He's like, peace. Peace, homies. Peace. I, I'm just talking about Jesus. He said, peace. He didn't say homies, but he said, peace. Right there. Peace be, be with you. Here's what I need you to know. Fear will keep you locked in from the inside. But even fear and locked doors are not enough to keep Jesus out. Today, if you feel like you are literally locked behind a, a place of fear, you're locked inside a place of confusion, if you feel that you are locked inside of a place of brokenness or loneliness or sorrow or depression or, or betrayal, I came to declare this over your life today. Even if you try to lock him out, Jesus is still going to show up and reveal his glory to you. If you believe that, say amen. So look at verse 24 here. Verse, look at verse 24 with me. So I want you to see, there's a little mini message I need you to catch on this. Verse 24. Thomas, one of the 12, one of the 12 disciples, was not with them the first time Jesus appeared. So he, I, I look at this, Rev, and I get a little mini message out of this. I see that there are, are, and I've been doing this a long time. I've been preaching since I was 17, pastoring since I was 18. So I've been doing this a long time. And, and just like Thomas, I, there are people who worship with me for years dedicated and loyal for years and then for some reason almost seemingly out of nowhere where'd they go they're missing what what, what happened maybe they're hurting maybe they're grieving maybe they're struggling with some kind of sin 
Maybe they're just struggling with faith, period. And my question is this to you. Do we even notice when these people are no longer here? Do, do we even notice when they're not present? There, there's Thomas. He's not present the first time Jesus appears. And, and I wonder, was it by chance? Or was it by choice? Let me, let me teach you something. Just like Thomas, you never know what you will miss when you miss church. You just never know. You just never know. And, and I know we've all got the reasons and we've all made the excuses about why we skipped, I, I mean, missed church. Let me clarify. We, we, we all have them and, 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 and we all will, will find the reasons to make the excuses. But can I just real quick, can I just ask a, a faithful generation living in a disloyal generation, can you just lift your hand for a moment and just declare, first things first, God's worship must come first. There's a reason why Sunday is the first day of the week. So God's worship must come first. God's house must come first. God's priorities must come. I'm just asking for a loyal people in a disloyal generation to lift your hand and say, God, you know what you're looking for. You're looking for faithfulness. Here I am. Your worship comes first. I mean, let's just be honest. I look at this text and seriously, we have no idea why Thomas wasn't there. Okay, maybe, maybe he was scared. Sure, the other disciples were. Maybe he was ashamed to be identified with the other cowards that abandoned Jesus during his crucifixion. How about this? Maybe he was just out running errands. Or worse, maybe he just had a problem with punctuality. Oh, Lordy. Church starts at 1030, Pastor, I know. Don't remind me again. No, Sister Nancy, what if he wasn't doubting Thomas? What if his problem was he was just tardy Thomas? I mean, can I, can I say this? Please stop judging people by where they are if you don't know where they started. Please stop. Please stop. We call him Tom, uh, Doubting Thomas because history has labeled him this. They've given him this moniker. He's Doubting Thomas. Why do we call him that? Because he had one bad moment. Just one bad moment. Every other time we read what he's saying, he's like, Jesus says, I'm going to go and die because of that. I'm going to go die. Let's go die with him. He's got this faith. He's the one who asked Jesus, we don't know how to get to where you're going. Tell us how to get there. And he tells him, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He's got all these things going for him. Good job, Tommy boy. Hey, right on. Then he's got this one bad moment. And for 2,000 years, we have labeled him Doubting Thomas. Can I ask you a question? What if we stuck a label on you every time you struggled? Paul, I'm going to point you off for just a moment. Paul, what if I, what if I heard you out there in the hallway today swearing just a little bit? And I, and I forever stuck the label on you. You are profanity, Paul. <laughs> Come on, somebody. What if, Tiana almost every week is back there doing my sermon, and, and she's literally helped me preach the word to you. And what if she just got upset with something I said one day and, and throws a little hissy fit, and for, she's forever known as temper tantrum Tiana? <laughs> Come on. We had Harner's Donuts this morning. Come on, somebody. How many people love some donuts? You love some donuts. What if you had one too many and you're forever known as Donut Dylan or Nom Nom Nadia? Come on. L L 
what, what's, what's my point? It's easier to label people than it is to help lead them out of their struggle. But, but I want you to notice this. I want you to notice this. Notice in verse 25. The other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to who? He said to, to them. Verse 25. He said to them. I need you to see this. Thomas actually never doubted Jesus. What he doubted was them. He doubted the testimony of his fellow disciples. Look at it. Look at it. Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and I put my finger where the nails were and I put my hand into his side, I will not believe. He didn't doubt Jesus. He doubted Jesus' disciples. Ladies and gentlemen, maybe, maybe this world doesn't doubt Jesus as much as they doubt Christians. Maybe it's hard for an unbelieving world to believe in a risen Savior when they see his followers preaching and praying and praising like he's still dead. Maybe just maybe, maybe, just maybe there's no, the world doesn't doubt Christ. They, they, they doubt Christians. And, and, and I just want to do this for a moment right now. Can I just speak over this church and declare over this church that we are going to change the labels the world has put on us? Somebody help me right now. I'm going to change a label from hypocrite to authentic. I'm going to change a label from greedy to generous. I'm going to change those labels from broke to blessed. I'm going to change those labels from overwhelmed to more than an overcomer through Jesus Christ. I want to change the labels from us being busybodies to just being busy about my father's business. I'm going to change the labels. Change every one of them. And look at verse 26. This is why I got mad respect for, for Thomas. Mad respect for this guy. Jesus shows up the day he's resurrected. And then he doesn't show up again for seven more days. I got mad respect for somebody who will show up with the rest of the disciples behind locked doors, all scared. Look who's there. Look who shows up again. All the disciples, but look who's there this time. Tommy boy. My boy Tommy is there. Here's why I've got mad respect for him. Because he's there and he still has doubts. He's there and he is still hurting. He's there and he still has questions. He, he's there and he's still scared. But he is willing to put himself in a position where those doubts have no choice but to disappear. Look at the position he puts himself in. Where, where's that place that Tommy goes where all of a sudden his doubts begin to get dismissed? It's when he's hanging out with other believers. I'm not going to rewind to three years ago when COVID completely kept us isolated from one another. And when our faith began to get weary and shaken. Why was that? Maybe, just maybe, because the enemy did everything he could to keep us from coming back together. Because there's something about hanging with not just church people, but with believers that does something for my faith. Maybe, just maybe, Tommy said, I've got these questions and I've got these doubts, but I need to be where people are because they believe something I don't yet believe. I need to be around their belief because it might just be contagious enough. 
This is, why, why do you think that, that Paul said this one time in Hebrews 10.25? He said, let us not neglect meeting together as some have made a habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. How can I encourage somebody I never see, I never hear from? But if we do not neglect coming together, then what I will do is as I see the day of Jesus approaching, I know he's coming soon. I can keep you encouraged. I can help you stay in the straight and narrow. I can remind you who you are in Christ if we stick together. Because Tommy decides, I've got these doubts, but I'm going to get in the room. I'm going to get with fellow believers. Look at what happens. As he's hanging out with his fellow saints, look who else shows up. The Son of God appears. And he says, all right, you asked for it. Put your fingers in the holes. Go ahead. I don't know what side it was on. Whatever. whatever. I'm not going to lift my shirt, but you know. Go ahead, bro. Go ahead. If this is what it takes for you to believe, then, then go ahead. Just stop doubting. Can I tell you this? That when I look at this sequence right here, did Jesus ever turn his back on Thomas because of his doubts? Give them verse 26 there, Tiana. Jesus says this to me. He says, I think so highly of you that I will show up again. I will do it again. I, I will come back to the same place I left you again and again and again if I have to. Because I'm not quitting on you because you have these doubts. I, I will show up again and again and again to dispel those doubts. That's what I will do. And I need you to see what, what, what Thomas does not say is he does not say, I he never said, I, I won't believe. He said, I won't believe unless. Now, this is why I appreciate this guy, I do. Because what he was really saying is, I have to see it for myself. I have to believe it for myself. Ladies and gentlemen, especially you young people in the room, there comes a point in time in your walk of faith where you can no longer base your walk with God on your parents' walk with God. You just can't do it. You can't get to heaven because of my righteousness. You, you cannot base your faith on what Sister Nancy saw or Reverend Jerry saw. You cannot base your walk with God on what other people have experienced. You, you cannot have faith in a God that you yourself have never personally met and known and prayed to and walked with. You cannot base your faith on my faith. But you have to, like Tommy said, I need to see it for myself because I need to believe it. What would it take today for you to believe that God is with you right now in this moment? What would it take for you to believe that God is with you right now in your trial? What would it take for you to believe that God is with you in the midst of this problem? What would it take for you to believe that God is not just with me momentarily, he's with me in every single season of my life? What would it take for you to believe that God is for you? What would it take for you to believe that God, the Almighty, has created you and he's designed you and he knows what is best for your life? What would it take for you to believe that God doesn't see you the way they label you. He's got greater things in store for your life. What would it take for you to simply believe today? I'm going to put my faith in you, Lord. I will put my trust in you, Lord. I will put my hope in you, Lord. I will believe. I have confidence. What would it take for you to simply say, 
I need to stop doubting. Start believing. I just came to tell the devil today. Somebody tell me right now, devil, I came to kick the doubt out. That's why I came to kick the doubt out. I came to kick the doubt out of my future. I came to kick the doubt out of my finances. I came to kick the doubt out on my anointing. I came to kick the doubt out on what I'm believing for. I came, you're trying to throw your lies at me all the time that God won't confuse. But I'm here today to kick the doubt out. I need somebody in faith today just to lift your leg if you, I don't know how you can, but kick that doubt out of your heart. Kick it out of your thinking. Kick it out of your belief system. I came. To kick the doubt out. Jesus shows up and he says, all right, I'll help you. I will help you kick the doubt out. Go ahead. You asked for it. Go ahead. Go ahead. I wonder if Thomas actually did it. You know, I wonder. I'm, I'm always curious. It's okay. I just, I just wonder. I'm, I'm just that way. My mind works like that. Did, did he go for it? I don't know, but I do know what happened next. The moment Jesus appeared, doubt disappeared. And here's what happened. Verse 28, Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. And this is why I I prefer to call doubting Thomas something different. I prefer to call him confessing Thomas. Some of them remember, I preached this a long, long time ago. I want to call this guy confessing Thomas because his doubts got flipped up on, on top, upside down. They got flipped up on their head. The doubts became shouts. My Lord and, and my God. There's that, that exact moment where Thomas encounters Jesus is the exact moment where his faith, now he, literally his faith became as real as his skepticism just was. The moment he meets Jesus and then he makes this powerful confession. See, I want to call him Confessing Thomas because he says, my Lord, my Lord. That's a title reserved for kings and royalty. It's what you refer to the emperor Caesar as my Lord. So he calls him my king, my ruler, my emperor, my Lord. And then for the very first time in scripture, we see somebody catch the revelation of who he really is. You're not just a savior. You are my God. And in this moment, he is echoing the opening lines of the Gospel of John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. My Lord and my God. What does faith come by? Say it out loud. Hearing. Faith, Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing what? The Word. The word. He didn't have to touch Jesus. All he had to do was hear the word. Jesus is the word. You don't have to touch my flesh. I am the word made flesh. He heard the word, and in that moment, his, his fears, his doubts begin to dispel. And here's what I mean. I guess I'm trying to get it. Faith comes by hearing the word. That means sometimes you have to do what Nadia taught us earlier. Sometimes you have to say it before you see it. 
So, so there are all those times where you have to start speaking joy before you ever feel any kind of joy. So you have to start speaking healing before you feel like you're healed. You, you have to start vocalizing restoration in a broken relationship. Even though they told you, I never want to see you again. You've got to make a different profession. I believe in restoration before I will have restoration. I have to declare in my life over every person I love that is bound. I am declaring deliverance while they're still bound up by the addiction. I have to speak it before I see it. And I believe the word of God is here today. The word of God, Jesus himself, the word incarnate is here today. Somebody help me for just a moment. Let's, let's, be, let's become confessing Thomas in this place. I confess you are my Lord and my God. You are the word that, you are the word that I hear. So my faith is built up today. And I believe the word is here to dis dis dispel your doubts. I'll take it further. He's here to dispel your pouts, the things you whine about. I'll take it further. He's here to dispel your drought. The things where you're living in lack and not enough. He is here to dispel your withouts. Never again will I be without because he withheld nothing from me. I have everything I need to accomplish his will in my life. Somebody help me turn these doubts into shouts of praise. Turn these pouts into shouts of thanksgiving. Turn these doubts up on side their head. I believe. I believe. Thomas said, I, I won't believe until I see the scars in your hand. I won't believe until I touch the scar in your side. I'm done, but I, wanna, I want you to hear me. Hear me. Everyone hear me. There are people in your life right now that are unbelievers. And the reason they don't, be, they don't believe is because they can't see your scars. They don't know how great your God is. So can I tell you, just like Thomas, there are people out there that they want to see your scars. So show them. Show them the scars that are left behind from your life of sin. Uh, but those wounds are healed because of the forgiveness and grace of God. Come on, show, show, show them, show them the scars of where you were running hardest and the farthest away from God, but then he just reached a hold of you and grabbed you and would not let you go. Show them the scars of where you were cheated on and where you were lied on and where you were addicted and where you were abused and where you were abandoned. Why? Because your scars are more than just a trigger of your survival. Your scars are a testimony of the goodness of your Savior. He delivered me. He healed me. He helped me. He never left me. And you can tell these people, I've been where you've been, but God pulled me through. So go ahead and see my scars because they will show you the possibility of what God can do for you. Stand your feet with me all over this room. I believe there are scars that God is wanting us to unveil to the unbelievers around us. Somebody help me declare this right here from Galatians 2.20. Show them the scars that testify. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ 
lives in me. Literally, I've got the scars to show what I've been through, how God has brought me through. I love this verse that he says in, the, in a couple chapters later, Paul says this in Galatians 6, he says, for I bear on my body the scars that show I belong to Jesus. Somebody put your hand together and thank him. I've got the proof that I belong to Jesus. Now, hey, most of us are not Paul. Paul physically was beaten. <laughs> he was physically whiplashed. He was physically shipwrecked. He was phys physically left hungry and cold and naked and imprisoned. You and I, maybe we don't have that testimony, but we do have a testimony. My scars aren't triggers. My scars are a testimony. Look what God has done. Look at how he healed me mentally. Look at how I was bound by addiction and he completely and totally set me free. Look at how I was confused and lost and broken. And he took me and he mended me and he rebuilt me and he restored me. Here's my scars. I say this carefully, cautiously, because I know church people. You start showing your scars and they go, like, I had no idea. That's why it's hidden. Because I'm afraid to tell you what God has done for me. So I won't tell church people. I'll tell the unbelieving world, this is what I used to do. This is where I used to be. Even after I came to church, this is where I stumbled and fell. But look at what the Lord has done. I need somebody to testify. My scars aren't triggers. They're testimonies. The goodness of God. If you are taking any kind of notes today, write this down and I, I, I am done, I promise. Your scars are proof that you have a past. But Jesus' scars are proof you have a future. Amen and amen. I, I, I love this about Thomas. Pastor Bethel, once Thomas saw the resurrected Jesus' scars, he never doubted again. Once he saw, he never doubted again. Here's what history tells us. History tells us that Thomas began to preach the gospel and he went east from Jerusalem and he went into what was known as Persia, kind of modern day Iran and, 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 and those areas and, and he wound up in, in India. Some reports say he got as far as China, but it was in India that he was converting, literally converting thousands of Muslims, uh, not Muslims at the time, sorry, the thousands of Hindus at the time, there's a lot of Muslims there now, but thousands of Hindus to Christ. In fact, he was converting so many people to Christ that the the Hindu uh, the the, uh, the Hindu priests began to get jealous of him, and we don't really know this as a fact. There are different variations of how he was killed, but he was preaching Jesus, and history tells us that he was literally they ran a spear through him. Now, there's multiple variations, and I love this one variation. One account says that that Thomas so enraged the Hindu priests because of all the conversions that they ran him through with five spears. Five spears. Revdev, how many of Jesus' scars did Thomas want to touch before he believed? Two hands. 
plus two feet plus one side equals it will all i believe in absolute truth it will always be five 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 the number five is referred to as the biblical number of grace grace five books of the law known as the pentateuch five penta five Five, if you will, five types of offerings that the Jews were commanded to bring to God. Ten commandments, but split five that belong to my relationship with God and five that belong to my relationship with you. And then in the New Testament, four gospel accounts and the book of Acts equal five. The number of grace. I just came to tell somebody here today, it was God's grace that helped Thomas remove his doubts. It was God's grace that helped Thomas restore his destiny. I want to speak it over you today. The grace of God is here. It is here to restore what you've lost. Now before I pray, before I play, there's a difference between doubt and unbelief. Let me say it again. There is a difference between doubt and unbelief. Satan has convinced many of you it's the same exact thing. If I doubt, then I don't believe. No, no, that's not at all. Well, what was doubting? Doubt is really just a problem of the intellect. I just, I just can't grasp it. I can't understand it. Unbelief is a problem of the heart. I just refuse to believe. This is why I know you haven't committed the unpardonable sin. I know it. People tell me, I'm afraid that I committed the sin that I can't be forgiven from. Really, then why are you still in church? Because you doubted here, but you still believed. How does salvation come about? I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord, and I believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead. I came to speak over every one of you. Doubt is really just your sincere question. Unbelief is your unwillingness to accept the answer. And who is the answer to every one of my doubts? Who is the answer to every one of my diseases? Who is the answer to every demon that comes against my life? Who is the answer to depression and sorrow and loneliness and brokenness? Who is the answer? His name is the Word made flesh. Jesus Christ is your answer. And I want to speak over you what Jesus said to Thomas. Verse 29, you believe because you've seen. But to you, family, you are blessed. You are happy. You are joyful. You have a reason to dance and shout and have hope because you haven't seen. But you still believe. Put your hands together and let Satan know, I believe. All over this room with our hands raised high right now. The people's hands real high. We do this as an act of faith. Though we're not reaching for your blessings, we're not reaching for our healing. We're not reaching for our joy or our breakthrough. We're reaching to our Father. Because we believe you are more than able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all we ask or think. We believe you are powerful. We believe you are personal. We believe you are present right now. I believe. With your hands raised, I just want to pray right now for you in this moment. Holy Spirit, 
Remove all doubts. Remove that doubt right now. That thing that makes me afraid. That thing that makes me turn to other substances because I'm not sure if God's enough. That, that the thing that, that keeps me addicted and keeps me bound. That, that, that attitude or that mindset that I default to because I'm just not, not sure if I can really believe this. God, remove all doubts. And here's what I believe is going to really happen next for some of you. God's not just going to remove the doubts. You are going to reclaim your destiny. You are going to reclaim your purpose. Ah, yeah. I see, the, I see Thomas. He was afraid. The disciples were scared. Thomas didn't, wasn't even sure if he could believe anymore because his leader was killed. But there he was in that very moment when Jesus showed up that he began to believe again and then reclaim who Jesus called him to be. He reclaimed his destiny. This is for you today. You're going to reclaim everything that fear and, and sin and Satan have stolen from you. I believe you're going to reclaim that destiny. I'm going to fulfill my purpose in the earth. Oh, God. Family, with your hands raised. Father, we reclaim what Jesus Christ died, resurrected, and ascended for so that we can be who you've called us to be. Tell that doubt to go. Come on, somebody, kick that doubt out. Kick that doubt out. Kick that doubt out. Kick that fear out. Kick it out. I believe. I believe. That doesn't mean doubt won't try to come back. It just means when it does, I believe. I believe. You, you, listen to me, you, you're not a Christian because you have doubts. But you won't be a Christian if you live in doubts. This is a walk of faith. It is a walk of faith. It is not by what I see. I don't walk by sight. I walk by faith. By faith. And so come on with our hands raised. Reclaim what is yours. I reclaim my purpose. I reclaim my anointing. I reclaim my authority. I reclaim my joy. I reclaim my heart. Come on, reclaim everything that doubt and fear the enemy has to reclaim. I reclaim it all in Jesus' name. It is mine. I reclaim who God says I am. I reclaim it today. And I'm going to live it. I will be everything God designed me to be in Jesus' name. Come on, put your hands together and say amen today. Amen.